Business leaders today need to go beyond meetings and management. There are action steps that nearly every leader needs to know to align with their core values and get the important priorities done. Welcome to the Grow Forward Today podcast with Paul D. Casey. Whether you're just starting out as a leader in your organization or have been a seasoned professional who wants to explore new ideas and practices, this will be an enlightening and highly applicable program. And now, your host, Paul Casey. Have you ever thought to yourself, am I really a leader? Does anyone really watch what I do or listen to what I say? Hint, hint, the answer is yes. Today on episode 41 of the Grow Forward Today podcast, you'll meet my guest, Dr. Hope Zeller. Hope is a professor, an author, a consultant, and an all-around dealer in her namesake, Hope, which stands for Helping Other People Excel. Listen in today on Hope's success strategies for personal leadership development. Ready to grow forward? Welcome, friends. I've known a lot of people over the years that really don't want a leadership position. They don't want the people problems or the stress of holding people accountable or having to have all the answers to countless situations. They're happy in their individual performer roles, and that's great. But they are forgetting that if anyone is following you, you are a leader. Leadership is influence. People are always watching and listening to you, whether you realize it or not, and you're leaving an impression on their lives. So just in case, the lessons from the guests and I in the Grow Forward Today podcast help you build your personal leadership skills so that you cast a positive shadow in your workplace as well as in your personal life. My guest today is Dr. Hope Zeller. Here's a little bit about Hope. She's the founder and president of Hope, Helping Other People Excel, a firm that specializes in facilitating leader success at every level of an organization. For over 15 years of her professional career, Dr. Zeller worked at UPS in various roles, including customer service, training and development, and employee relations. For the past 17 years, she has been consulting with organizations on leadership development. Dr. Zeller is also a professor at Spalding University, instructing in the Master of Business Communication program. She has a doctorate in leadership education from Spalding University, a Master of Education in Training and Development from the University of Louisville, and a Bachelor of Arts in Communications and Psychology from Bellarmine University. Hope co-authored with Dr. Joe DeSensi, Hope for Leaders Unabridged Volume 1, and Hope Leaders in the 2020s, New Issues to Face, New Problems to Solve, New Hope for the Future, Volume 2. I was referred to Hope by a new friend I met in Seattle that you're going to get to meet next week, and I resonated with her message. Welcome, Hope. Hi, thank you so much, Paul, for having me today. Super excited to talk about a topic that, uh, I don't know, I've had a love for probably most of my life, even as a child, just really wanting to help make people better. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's why we're kindred spirits. (laughs) I know. know. That's why I was so excited to have this opportunity to talk to you. I love being energized by other people that have that same passion. Here, here. Well, Hope, what did you learn from the roles you played while you were at UPS that, that maybe even now influences how you develop leaders? My experience in management, you know, as I reflect back and, and look back on that, and it, it's it's very interesting how life comes full circle because I got asked last, well, a couple of weeks ago, but last week I went back and I spoke to a women's leadership summit uh, at UPS. 
And it was almost a surreal moment of like, you know, when, when everything just comes together of that is really the place in my career, professionally speaking, that my love for this started. And, you know, when I was thinking about this question and I thought, you know, what is it that has really helped round that out for me through all those years of corporate experience? And I will tell you that I've realized leadership is not one size fits all. And, you know, where we try to cram and we try to give everybody one leadership book and we try to tell them to read it. And, you know, you too can be the best one minute manager. You know, you too, if you read these <laughs> 21 refutable laws of irrefutable laws of leadership, you too will be this amazing leader. And what I've realized at working with so many different types of leaders is that, you know, we all have our own unique traits, qualities, strengths. And so, you know, my my whole passion, my whole mission around leadership has really become helping people be the best version of themselves and not trying to make them into something that they're not. And, you know, I've, I've watched over the years, at, you know, when I was in corporate and then the, the organizations I work with now, you know, nonprofit, for-profit, it is just so painful when we, you know, put these expectations onto people to be something that they're not or put them into a leadership role that they just, they really don't want to be there and it makes it so hard for everybody. And, you know, what what made them great in their job doesn't always make them great in a leadership position. And I'm, I'm sure you know that, you know, Paul, in all of your experiences, it's like there's this big gap, but yet we expected them to be just as great as they were, you know, in a frontline position. And so I just, I think we have to meet leaders where they are when they step up to this and when they want these opportunities and figure out what is the gift that they bring to this and then really help them cultivate um, and, and, and again, make them the best version of themselves. But we can't assume that everybody is going to be great at the same time in the same way. And we don't want them to be. We don't want them to be. We need leaders that have unique talents, skills, and we also want them to turn around and help develop the best in their people. Yeah, that's so true. And I can't tell you how many people I've talked to, either I've been on their podcast or they've been on mine, that say what you said, that people get promoted to leadership positions that they are not equipped for at all. And I'm wondering, what do you think? Is Do you think that reflects more on the leaders that put them in the position than it does on the person being promoted? I think it's a combination. I, you know, I know when I was in corporate America and they tapped you on the shoulder and they said, you know, we have this position for you. I, you know, and I don't know if it's as much of this today coming out of the pandemic, but I, I feel often that people didn't think they had, uh, they couldn't say no, you know, we're like, oh my gosh, mm. if somebody's telling me that I need to take this promotion. I need to take this promotion, even though they didn't really want to be in that leadership capacity. I mean, anybody in any role is a leader of sort, but when you've got people that you're responsible for and you've got to develop and you've got to hold accountable and you've got to give feedback, that is not everybody's area of giftedness. And some people just don't want it. And, you know, I think that that's really the better question is, you know, before we go promoting people in organizations is finding out if the person does, in fact, even want it. They may have the skill sets. <laughs> they may be amazing. But do they really want it? And is it OK if they don't? You know, what does that you know, is that a career limiting move if I were to say no? Some organizations it is. It's if you turn it down, then don't ever come to me and ask me why you're not getting opportunities right. in the future. And that is just not that's just not the game that's being played today. I mean, people, you know, along with the great resignation, people aren't afraid to, to leave and go somewhere where they can be the best versions of themselves, where they're, you know, the culture accepts it and appreciates it and finds a place for their strengths and utilizes them in the best way possible. Yeah, I think do they even want it is a great question, a very transparent question. 
maybe another one would even be like, do they understand the expectations of what will be expected of them in that role? Because they might see title and go, okay, like I just need to keep doing what I was doing. And now I've got some people under me, but wow, I, I wouldn't recommend anyone to take a leadership role that didn't care about people that didn't uh, really relish developing people because otherwise everybody underneath that leader um, is going to really suffer. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, and I say all the time, especially when I first got promoted into management, I, it was a privilege to me. You know, I was honored to be in a position where I could help develop people, where I could look for opportunities for people. I mean, it was, it was an exciting thing, but for people who don't want it, it's, painful for everybody. (laughs) You know, you end up having employees and I I say this all the time. Well, people are quitting and, you know, quickly right now, but there are people that will quit and stay, you know, when they have a leader where they they can't go anywhere right now, but they don't feel like they work for somebody who cares anything about them or wants to develop them. And, you know, I, I go back to leadership skills all the time that, you know, common sense is not common practice. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I sometimes will be telling a leader, you really should have one-on-ones with your people. It's, it's really important you do that. I don't recommend you scream at them. That's probably not a great idea, you know, but I mean, it's, it, but also in defense of that for those leaders, often, you know, it may have been what was modeled in their organization, right. be what was rewarded in their culture and in some cases, guess what? They got promoted for those behaviors. Mm. And so then, you know, you see that. And then what are you communicating is what does a great leader look like at this organization? What do you have? You know, what, what does it take to do that? Well, you might have to be a jerk. And it mm. just, you know, I've, I've watched it happen a number of times. And then, you know, it's, it's interesting when top leadership will shake their head and go, I don't know how we got here. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> Well, I could give you a couple of reasons why. Just think about it. Just think about it. You know, but I mean, it, it, it's just, yeah. like I said, so much of leadership, we have to be intentional about it. We really do about, you know, who we're, who we're leading, how we're leading, who we're putting into those leadership roles, because the number one reason why people leave are bad leaders. Yep. And I mean, you know, Gallup has done studies, Harvard Business Review has done studies, and all the data will support that. Even if I really like this organization, if I work for somebody who I don't feel is a good leader, that is going to be the main reason that I that I leave. And and today, I think if you worked for somebody before the pandemic that wasn't amazing, coming out of the pandemic, it's just there's no tolerance anymore. It's we have higher expectations now, and and I think that that's you know I think that's a good thing that we do. We expect more from our leadership. And as I said, it's not a role for everybody. I think that's why. When you're in it, you have to decide, do you really want to be in it? You know, are you willing to, willing to do the heavy lifting that's required from it? Yeah, I went to a seminar um, just a couple of weeks ago from the Stephen Covey organization uh, called Trust and Inspire, the newest book that came out, uh, which I would recommend. And they were really talking about two equally committed teams, equally uh, tenured teams, uh, the difference is the leader and the difference whether they stay is whether that leader is inspirational and engenders trust. Uh, because like you said, people are just going to walk away from a bad leader or one that is demotivating or uninspirational. So it was just a, a good reminder. And it's been a whole day on that. Just really pumped me up for uh, your and my calling, which is to develop leaders because of all the the, um, the ripple effect that it has in an organization. Absolutely. And I mean, there's no better investment than that. And, you know, it's unfortunate through the years I've always seen when 
times get tough and budgets get cut, the two things that seem to get cut are marketing and training. <laughs> which, yep. <laughs> which, okay, if your business is down, you might want to market more, just saying. And then, you know, if you've got a high turnover, you might want to think about investing in those leaders. You know, just it, it could, be, could be a good thing, but it is. You're right. And then that's what goes. And it's like, well, we don't need to do that. And, you know, I've, I've repeatedly said to leaders when they have a leader, let's just call an unfortunate one, and there's a turnover in their area. I just had this conversation a few weeks ago and they said, well, we can't let this person go. I said, why? Well, he, you know, he's got so much institutional knowledge. He's been here for 25 years, all of these things. And, you know, and but yet this high turnover. And finally, I just asked the VP, I said, so what is it costing you to keep this person? Like, how mm. much is it costing you mm -hmm. to, to do? I mean, you know, with your turnover, with, with I, I mean, it, it just, yes. he said, uh, we're not, he's like, well, that's not how we're looking at it. We just can't afford to lose his position. <laughs> and I'm like, but, but it's, you, you would be better. I said, he could not be back tomorrow. Something could happen. I, you know, I, it, so you, you can't have that strategy of we can't lose him. That's just awful. I mean, that's not a good way to play this, but. In this, you know, this VP's mind, it was going to be right now because it is so competitive to recruit. And this person does have a very special skill set. However, that shouldn't be an out to hold someone accountable for poor behavior. And mm. it, it's not a technical performance issue. It is a pure right. on people performance issue. Right. And it's affecting the culture like a cancer. And it's, yes. it's amazing when uh, leaders finally decide to make the cut, you know, and say like, this is not going to be tolerated here anymore. When that person is gone, the difference in the culture, the difference in the feel of coming to work is so radically different that, you know, as a consultant, you want to just go like, see, <laughs> like, like, see how do you feel right now? It's so much better, isn't it? Yes, it's so much better. So we should have done better. this a long time ago. <laughs> we should have. Well, and this is, this does not as applicable now with the pandemic, but I, I've often said, can we just pay them to stay at home? Like, <laughs> don't come in today because if you don't, we're going to be so much more productive if you're not here. I mean, you know, and it's, but I mean, I get the mentality and it is a scarcity mentality right now of talent. And I'm finding that, you know, it, a body is better than nobody. And that people are willing to settle a little bit for less expectation on performance with those things because of, not being able to get good people in and then you know and then you know even when you do get good people in keeping them but the surest way to not keep them is you know by not holding leadership accountable for you know the people part of it yes yes well hope what is most rewarding for you as a professor at spalding university what are your favorite courses you enjoy teaching take us into your life there as a professor I would say my two favorites would be organizational development and change because <laughs> I find at the C-suite level, most are never given a course on how to take an organization through change successfully. And the missteps that happen along the way of how to implement change, you know, just from the simplest thing of the people that are going to be most impacted by the change, involving them in the change. <laughs> like, you know, Wait, it's common sense. It, it's right, common, common sense. sense. It goes back to common sense. But it's, <laughs> you know, did we even think before we changed, we changed this, how many people were going to be impacted by it? So then by the time the change comes out, people are resisting it. 
It's not really working well. And if we would have just had a, a, a group of people representing and just getting their feedback and asking, I, I you know, I, I see that and I see leadership not walking the talk. It's, you know, we're telling people to do things, but not, you know, not holding ourselves accountable to do that as well. And I just think there's so much opportunity around helping organizations with leading change in a better, more common sense approach to it, um, that I get very passionate about that. And the the program that I teach in at Spalding, it's wonderful because, you know, the, the problem with academia is, and I, you know, I've been in both sides of it, is that's great when you read it in the book, you know, all this theoretical stuff, but it's got to be practical. It's got to be something that I can walk into an organization tomorrow. And if I were tasked with leading a change, I could do it. You know, I've got the tools and the resources to be able to do it. So that is probably mm -hmm. my most favorite because when you go through, you know, like these things that you need to do, it's amazing the aha moments that leaders have. And I, you know, I had to ask a show of hands. I'm like, so how many of you in here have gone through this similar process when your organization has dealt with change? I maybe get two hands. Oh, we did it awful. We mm -hmm. did, you know, we didn't involve the right people. We just announced yep. it. And then, you know, we told people there was no change coming. And then the next week there was change. And so then there's that, that trust that you mentioned. There's this lack of trust because I can't trust that what you tell me is true. And there was not transparency as, as the organization was going through things. So that's that for me is one because right now we're on a change train and it's not stopping. There is, you know, we're doing maintenance while we're on the tracks rolling. So it's we have got yeah. to understand how to better lead our organizations through it. Because, you know, I, I, I said this yesterday in the training I was doing, I was like, wouldn't it have been great when the pandemic hit if we went to the bookshelf and pulled out the book on how to lead through a pandemic? Like, oh, this is great. I've been waiting <laughs> to pop this book out. You know, I mean, there was, uh -huh. there was nothing. But if we at least have some type of process with it we follow, generally speaking, about how we rally people together, how we are going to communicate, how we are going to train, how we're going to hold people accountable. I mean, it, there's just things that you can do. And the second one I love teaching is women in leadership. I'm very passionate about, you know, being allies for other women and helping promote their voices. And, you know, we've come a long way, but I think there's also a long way to go. Not so much with men being really great allies for women. We still need that. But what we need more of is women stepping up as allies for other women and just realizing that they have a voice and being excited for all of our strengths instead of intimidated about it because of that scarcity mentality that there's not enough opportunities for all of us. Um, and, you know, less for women often than men. Uh, so for me, it's just, it's great because I really feel like when students leave those classes, they leave with some real life skills that that they can put to use. They have an understanding of who they are as a leader and showing up and, and their aspirations and what they want to do. Yeah, I just got the privilege to speak at a women in business conference. I was one of the only guys led in the room, which I felt very privileged <laughs> for that. that is awesome. I felt, like, that is I felt like I had to yell, man, man on the hall, you know, there's a guy in the room. Uh, but it was such a pleasure because I uh, I'm a huge promoter on women in leadership. And uh, so that was that was a really fun experience I got to do. Back on the change deal is, yeah, I just wrote an article for our local journal of business on change. And it's not about the hard change thing, like the technology that you're going to implement or the different process. It's all about how people feel during the change. And I think that's where leaders have never had a class on uh, the, the soft skills of change, the, the soft side of, of change, the 
if the relationships get worse during the change, then it's not a win if you implement the software. You know, it's not a win if you develop another product line, right? If everyone's at each other's throats, that was not done well, that change effort. That was not. And, you know, it's interesting when I when I talk about change, I talk about it in the context of something has to die for something else to begin. Yes. And I think that we overlook the emotional impact that change has on people. And, you know, I I put up the stages of grieving when I'm talking about this. And I ask, you know, yes. I asked the group, I said, does anybody know what this is? And a couple of people are like, I think I've seen it somewhere before. I'm like, oh, you have. <laughs> you have. I said, it is the stages of grieving. People go through those stages with change. It, it, it may not be the, the death of a person per se, but it is the death of the way we've done something, the way the comfort level that I've had. And so an exercise I love to do with teams, you know, is when they're going through a really big change that they had not much say in it. You know, it was a, basically a command and control. It wasn't a communicate and collaborate. And those changes are out there and sometimes they have to be. But I will give everybody a post-it note and ask them to walk up and put where they are, where they are on the stages of grieving with this particular situation. And it is amazing because some people are already at acceptance because they are change junkies. That's a small percentage. You know, but then you have a lot of right, right. denial and anger. And it really gives you this, this opportunity to, to let people feel it. And I, and I think that with change, we just so quickly roll past it that we don't allow that space. And that's why, you know, that, that whole emotional intelligence piece as a leader becomes so critical because if you don't have it, you probably don't even think to press the pause button and talk about it. You're just, you're moving forward. You need to get over it. This is what we're doing. This is what we need to do to say, you know, to keep our business going. But I, I agree with that. Yes. But I think there's also that time to let people feel it. Don't forget the human side of that because you still need human beings to help you through this change and, and just acknowledging their feelings. They may not like it, but by the fact that we've acknowledged they're feeling this way and this is where we are, they're more likely to eventually come on board and come to that acceptance piece. Wow, that is so good. Leaders without emotional intelligence can't lead the change process as well. It makes so much sense to me. Let me ask you one quick question before the break here. Do you think the stages of grief with change and the pandemic relates to why some people felt it right away, some people felt it a few months in, some people felt it a year in, and other people are feeling it more almost on the end of it. Do you think that has to, do those things relate? I, I definitely do. And, and I mean, I, I think there may be some people in those stages of grief, it, it, the pandemic changed them completely. And I, you know, the way they see the world, the way things happen, and I just think as leaders, we have to be empathetic to that. You know, that's why a lot of people are like, I'm not coming back in. No, you have to come back in. Nope. <laughs> okay, I quit. I, you know, I mean, it just, everybody's had some emotional reaction to it. And, you know, and I, the leaders I'm leading now, I'm like, if you don't talk through this and look at what's happened the last two years, what worked for us, what didn't work for us, what did we, you know, what do we need to leave behind? What do we need to bring with? And just really reflect on all those pieces, you know, because everybody, I, I love it. Everybody's like, oh, we're out of it. I'm like, you're not, you're not. And the things that have happened through it have again changed us forever and how we show up. Mm. Wow, that is so true. And and I'm a I'm a change junkie, uh, like you said. And so uh, a lot of the seminars I do with leaders, they're like, "Yeah, we love it." You know, I, I'll say like, 
So are you a toe in the water person with change and then you scurry away when you're uncomfortable? Are you, do you wade in a little bit, you know, and sort of get the lay of the land and say like, can I do this or not? Are you a swimmer? Do you start swimming with change? You know, pretty much like, all right, I got to do this. Let's just go. Or are you a deep diver? Like, do you just go all in and start scuba diving right away? And boy, you know, I don't get too many on either end they're more in that middle of like i'm just going to sort of play it by ear and see how things are going <laughs> yeah and i do you know and i think that's what we did through the pandemic i mean my business my leadership development business was 100 percent in person you know I, I occasionally did a webinar i didn't even have zoom on my computer i didn't have teams i mean that just wasn't <laughs> the way i functioned and i you know i thought eh, yeah I, for a month i cannot work that's fine <laughs> two months and then i start getting con you know contacted by clients. They're like, we've got it. We've got to do something. So how are you with training on zoom? I'm like, great. Let me figure it out. <laughs> I'll figure it out. It was, but I was sitting back kind of seeing to your point, I wasn't, you know, I was like, well, let's see what, what we really need to do with this. You know, I don't know, but everybody had to change something. Everybody had to change something for the last two years. And I, I, for me, it was, how did I become better? You know, how did I, I did, none of us picked this. None of us asked for this. Goodness knows it, it, it impacted so many people's lives. People lost people. I mean, it just, but if you don't take that as an opportunity, if you know, you made it through all that to become better as an individual, as a leader, it's missed. It, it really is missed. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's take a break. You are listening to the Grow Forward Today podcast on the Voice America Business Channel. You can contact me on Facebook at Growing Forward Services and my guest, Dr. Hope Zeller on Facebook. She's at Hope for Leaders. We're going to be back after the break. We're going to talk about Hope's two books. We're going to dive way deeper into leadership and how you can lead at all levels. So stick around. We'll be right back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. If you're a manager or supervisor trying to keep your team and yourself engaged, motivated, and accomplishing goals, then you want to check out Bullseye, Paul Casey's membership community for team leaders, coming alongside you to achieve confidence and success in leading your team. Within Bullseye, there are plug-and-play forms and tools, inspirational audios to pump you up, team player videos to play in staff meetings, icebreakers for your one-to-ones, and, of course, interaction with Paul and other industry teams team leaders to chat about how to solve the problems you are wrestling with. Paul will bring on live experts once a month to answer your questions on their expertise, and he will ping you twice a week via text to encourage you in your pursuit of your goals. Finally, there is a resource for anyone who supervises others and wants to develop their potential. Check out Bullseye to find out more, and subscribe today for the best rates they'll ever be at growingforwardservices.net. That's growingforwardservices.net. 
Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. listening to the Grow Forward Today podcast. If you'd like to know more about Paul Casey or our program, please visit his website at growingforwardservices.net. Now, back to Grow Forward Today. Welcome back to the Grow Forward Today podcast. I'm your host, Paul Casey, and I'm with Dr. Hope Zeller. We're having a great time talking about leadership today and uh, even how that's related to the pandemic and how we respond to change. So a lot of great stuff that wasn't even in the script today that we're having a good time talking about. And I want to know, Hope, about your two books that you co-authored. Give us an overview about what you want readers to get from those two books. So 2015 was our first volume, and we really focused hard on the why of leadership why be a good leader? And so our intention was in 2020 to come up with a second volume of that. And so into 2019, we start putting it together. And then of course, what we've been talking about, you know, life changes it up for you. And we realized that what we were putting together was not going to be the book that was going to be needed coming out of this pandemic and how to lead. So the the connection we made was like, well, we keep talking about the why people need to know how how do I be a better leader? So I know I need to be it. I know people quit, you know, leaders, not organizations. They quit bad leadership. I get all those things. But how do I sit down and hold somebody accountable? How do I sit down and I give good feedback? How do I develop somebody on my team to be the best version of themselves? I mean, there's just this overwhelming amount of stuff that if you haven't had it modeled for you in a good way or and you, and you, or you haven't gotten training. And not that the training is always the answer for that, but if you haven't been given some resources, you know, you, you may not have that skill set developed. And so what we did with this one is we just made it really accessible. You know, we talk about change in this book. We talk about emotional intelligence in this book. We talk about leading with love, which, you know, love is a whole acronym for, you know, listening, being objective, being versatile and being empathetic. That's, you know, those are the common sense skills that people need now more than ever as leaders. I mean, that's what it's going to take to be successful. You know, how do you be a good proactive communicator? (laughs) How do I start that process? Especially if my style, my leadership style is one that is more aggressive and that empathy is harder for me. I, you know, I always say when I'm I'm doing one-on-one leadership coaching, it's, and I, I get this a lot. It's like, we just need you to change this person And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. First, we don't change anybody. We will help them modify behaviors because, you know, there might be certain things that even if I am a very assertive bold leader, that in certain times that is a needed skill set. But what we need to remember is any of our strengths that, you know, to an excess become our weakness. So it's, you know, as a very bold leader, I got to remember to slow down and be empathetic with my team and check in on how they're doing. And it always can't be about just getting the work done. I've got to make a real connection. And so the this the, the book, I'm very proud of, of the first one, but the second one was just, it really was a collective labor 
of love, of experiences, you know, from military, from education, from corporate, of just, you know, really what are the things that we need to lead, the commonsensical things to lead post-pandemic. Tell us that love acronym. I love acronyms, so they're, they make things so much easier. Tell us the it's love so acronym one more time. A listening ear, mm-hmm. an objective mind, a versatile, versatile attitude, and an empathetic heart. Nice. Nice. Love that. Love that love. <laughs> <laughs> and now I've just, and if you notice, I have on my heart necklace today. So it, it just, it, I don't know if I just am now noticing more hearts because of that. And, you know, I've been doing a lot of talks on it, but I'm like, love is everywhere. So now the problem is everybody's giving me lots of love. Like you said you loved hearts. I'm like, okay, but you know. <laughs> I've got a hundred now. I feel like I'm loved. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me when I used to be a school principal and they told me like, you need a mascot, like something that you collect. And I said, well, you know what? And I thought about it. I'm like leadership and bald eagles, you know, sort of go together. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to say that I like bald eagles. I got bald eagle gifts for years and years. <laughs> My office had like 75 of them in there of all shapes and sizes. So I relate to the hard thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, just don't, don't tell people you like something, you know, or be cautious who you tell those people. To, <laughs> there you go. They will, they will fill you up with whatever beloved thing you love. So, yeah. Well, hope your mission is to facilitate leader success at all levels in the organization. How do people lead uniquely from different levels? I think it goes back to tapping into their strengths, their skill set. I mean, and, and, and there's lots of us that don't aspire to be running, you know, a CEO of a billion dollar corporation with thousands of employees globally. So it's, you know, what skill set does that take versus the mid-level manager versus the vice president? And, you know, I think, again, it's just figuring out, and I know we're both familiar with the Peter principle, it's it's figuring out where is someone's level of greatness. And, and, and again, going back to, do they want to do this? You know, do they, do they aspire to this? And there are some that are very happy with a certain level of leadership and that's what they have to give and that's what their skill set is and we're not pushing them beyond their capabilities and what they're able to do and you know all of us have our limits in that and you know it's what I so I you know when I look at that I'm just like so what is this person's skill set what is what is it going to be for them do they have the skill set to lead at this level and and really try to intentionally put people into positions that match where they are and their potential because it you know, just because I don't have a skill today doesn't mean that I can't develop it and work on it, you know, but, but for some people, there are, it isn't, they're only so far that they can go with a certain thing. And I think, you know, as we look at promoting people and we have to look at doing that, we just, you know, is it something that people want? And I think today people are much better about saying, I don't, you know, I've, I've decided that I just don't want that much responsibility or I've coached people that realized once they got it, they didn't want it. And they mm-hmm. wanted to go back to something where they felt like they could make the biggest difference from where they were mm-hmm. leading. And it was it was a few layers down. That's where they really wanted to be. And so, you know, more local than global. And, and that's OK, too. But I just I I think sometimes we just if somebody's really good at working in their job, they're automatically going to be a good leader. We just kind of put them there. And I'm like, no, let's let's look at what this person's skill set. Does this person want it? Do they have the ability? Can we help give them resources, tools, coaching, training, whatever that looks like? Give them the expectations, set them up for success. Because if you don't, then there's no way their team can be successful. Right, right. 
What are some common patterns you're, you're seeing in coaching of leaders? You might have mentioned a couple already today. What would you say a majority of leaders you've interacted with are struggling with or they're working on and, and maybe even some ways you've you even tailored your coaching to help them you know, be winners at work? Well, so I, I will speak to how I you know, identify specifically what a leader has to work on, but I will tell you there are obviously common themes to that. But I will start off with a 360 assessment. And mm-hmm. I think it's critical that because if I get contacted and a leader says, I need you to coach this leader, I, I need, you know, this leader has got to turn some of these behaviors around. Like, okay, well, let's, let's get it. Let's get some data to confirm some of that. So let's see what this person's peer group thinks. Let's see what this person an internal customer group thinks. Let's see what their direct reports think. What do they think of themselves? What does their boss think? And almost always what I find is there's different layers of feedback depending on those relationships. And sometimes it'll be the scores come back from the boss, the, the lowest. Everybody else loves this leader or mm. the boss loves the leader. They got a real challenge with their direct reports, you know, when they're peers, they've got some work because all of those relationships require different things for us, you know, and so but the biggest things that will come out of that, the top two are feedback and accountability. Leaders struggle with giving good constructive feedback. And then even once they do, holding someone accountable for that. And, you know, I have a lot of leaders I'll work with, they get so frustrated because we'll talk through, they've got an employee that's not performing. They'll sit down and have a, a conversation and then, you know, it's not getting any better, not getting any better. And they're like, I don't understand why. I said, well, what what was the accountability back or what was the consequence back if this person didn't perform differently? Nothing. <laughs> and and uh, well, you know, some people may take what you tell them and run with it and do something with it and, and grow and develop into the best be- them they can be. Or others are going to be, well, if there's no recognition for this or there's no, you know, I'm not going to, I don't, I don't feel it's necessary to change because I can change or not change and it doesn't matter. It's the same. But I just see that that accountability thing is huge in organizations. Like, what does that mean? And when I go in and I will ask organizations, what does accountability mean here? And it's funny because it's just like this, I, I you know, I, it's like a cross. It's like, you know, they cross their hands, they're pointing everywhere to everybody else. That's accountability. That's, you know, it's <laughs> you, it's you, it's you. Goodness gracious, it's not me. You know, this is why, you know, this is why this fails. I did my part in so then it's like, okay, well, no, you didn't. So now how do I hold you accountable? And I'm not saying we terminate, but there has got to be some accountability back to feedback that we give people. Yeah, because what we tolerate increases. So yes. if we keep if we keep allowing that below the line behavior to keep going, now we've just lowered the bar for everybody down to this level. And, and if, you, if a leader could see like, this is what it's doing to the whole culture around us, they'd be like aghast, like no way. But in the moment, all they needed to do was to confront that that poor behavior, give feedback, hold that person accountable. And there's a good chance that that will bring that person above the line. Now, either way, you win because it also might break something free. And that person may be like, well, I don't want to subscribe to those values anymore. Great. Either way, we win. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, it's, I just I think it also now it's even worse because. I'm afraid to, if I see something, I'm afraid to say something because this person might quit. And as right. I said, a body is better than nobody right now. So I can't, right. you know, I, it's, the turnover is so high. It takes so much to recruit. And I think it is allowed for 
more of subpar behavior and, and performance. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and it's interesting, this whole quiet quit thing, because that, that's not even about people really quitting. It's just about people doing the minimum. Yes. <laughs> because yes. for various reasons. And it, and it could be that they're in a department where I am working really, really hard. And I got this person sitting to my left and this person sitting to my right. They're not working half as hard as me. And it seems like they get the same. Yes. And so I, I'm going to sit back and do that too, because that looks like, you know, I don't have to, I want to, I want to have a good time too. I'm going to, you know, and so when leaders, they don't really understand that negative impact of when there's certain behaviors not being addressed to certain employees or worse yet, they make it the whole team's problem. You know, they won't address it specifically to that individual. It's, you know, you bring the team together. I've watched leaders do that. You bring the team together and you say, okay, now we can't be having this certain behavior. And everybody on the team is looking at the one that's got this behavior going, it's not us, it's this person. And the person that has got the behavior is going, who does that? You know, I mean, just don't, don't even really, it's like, I'm like, it's, you know, I'm just like, do you realize how demotivating that is to your team? You've mm -hmm. got to address it because that toxicness will cost you with either people physically leaving you or people quitting and staying and checking out and seeing that they will admire problems, but they won't try to be problem solvers anymore. They're just simply going to just show up. And, you know, so much of that as a leader, you have to reflect back on yourself and say and take accountability. Accountability starts first with you. And I say it starts with me and it ends with we. And that is so true with leadership. It's, you know, how am I holding myself to the higher standard and modeling it? Yeah, I use that word demotivating. I think one of the best questions a leader can ask, a very vulnerable question to ask your direct reports is what is the single most demotivating thing that I do in my role? And just be willing to listen and just take, you know, don't be defensive. Don't, don't, you know, seek to, to say, no, I don't do that. And just listen. And if there's any patterns that develop from there, there you go. And I would guess that it would, a lot of it would center around tolerating uh, mediocre behavior. And I think, I think you're right on with that one. So I saw on your website, you also help with succession leadership training. What is that? And why is it important uh, in every organization? Well, and succession, just like accountability, can mean different things to different people. <laughs> succession can, you know, just mean that I got somebody who can cover my work when I'm on vacation. It's like, you know, right. I remember the best advice I ever got when I first got promoted, first got promoted, is my direct leader said, you need to start looking for your replacement now. And I just, I was, I was like, what are you planning on? I'm not, I just got this job. Well, how long, you know, I'm, my goodness, I, give me a chance. <laughs> I, like, I haven't even, you know, but his point was, is that you always need to be developing people behind you. And, and that comes in various forms. And generally when I come into an organization to help with that, it will be through a leadership development program where we will be taking people through that aren't even in a leadership role yet, but they aspire to be. So they're up and coming leaders. And in some cases they're selected to go through this, you know, six, nine, 12 month program, but, but it's getting them ready for things that they are going to need when and if an opportunity becomes available that they would like to step up and take, you know, so that's, that's, that's one piece of it. And then, you know, another piece of it too is, is around the mentoring and the coaching and having even a, a formal mentoring program inside of the organization. And that's, my dissertation was, in fact, on mentoring, and I, oh, I cool. measured that for an organization. 
And sadly, what the feedback came back or the data that I analyzed came back with was that most people, and this was, this was IT individuals that were doing this mentoring because IT, they really needed to develop leadership pipeline for that. But the feedback that came back is most people that got tapped to go into this mentoring program thought they were being, um, it was that they were in trouble, that it was, it was punitive, not positive. Nobody said to them, we want to develop you. We want you to connect with leaders outside of IT. We want you to see the bigger picture because when you get into leadership, it's not just about seeing the view from where you're sitting. It's you've got to be seeing the view from every level of the skyscraper because you're going to be running down up and down the steps elevator you've got to be aware of what's going on on all those floors so it it was supposed to be this really positive thing and what came back was most people thought it was because there was something wrong with them and they were being put with somebody that could change that was going to change them or make them different or better and i I, so Uh i presented that data and there was a little bit of shock but also not really so much because i think the community there was a missed opportunity with communication on why is somebody in that? So, you know, and then there's, I know that when I was at UPS every year, they had people's meetings and they would talk about all of their leaders, up and coming leaders, and they would look at for the coming year, what opportunities were gonna be opening, who was interested in moving to another area. So there's so many different ways that organizations are doing that, but you've got to be doing something. I mean, if you want people to stay, and it's not even today that organizations are looking to have people stay for retirement anymore. That's that's a pipe dream. You don't even you don't even aspire to that. But if you can get somebody right. three to five years that will stay and grow with you, you know, th- today that's impressive. That is really impressive if you can do that. So, you know, how are you developing them in those three to five years? How are you having people behind them ready when opportunities present? Because either they leave the organization or they take a role that's higher and then and then we need to fill it. We shouldn't be in the moment looking for those people. We should have a pool of people ready that, you know, as ready as you can be. I mean, you know, life life is kind of an inaction thing. You know, you kind of learn it sometimes as you go. But there's definitely things that we can be doing in organizations to set people up for success when opportunities come. Yeah, the old is it Zig Ziglar quote, like, what if we develop people and they leave? Wrong question. What if you don't develop them and they stay? They stay. <laughs> and they stay. Exactly. I mean, you know, and it's amazing that... The number of organizations I've worked with in the last year, the first time they've ever had leadership development. First time ever. And I, I'm just thinking, wow. But, you know, they could also argue in their mind they've been successful. What I will say, though, is moving forward, you leadership is, is critical. It is critical. You, you just can't maintain the level that you are long term without having a strong team of leaders. At every at every level. Yeah. And every company needs it. That's why, in theory, you and I should have job security for the rest of our lives. <laughs> you just walk down the street and like that company needs it, that company needs it, that company. I mean, everybody needs what we what we offer on leadership development. <laughs> we do. And I'll tell you, in my family gatherings, I'm always the more popular cousin because they people will come up to me and they'll be like, so I got this situation. <laughs> my manager, you know, and I'm like, okay, you know, or the, you know, and then I'll go mm-hmm. to have a drink with a friend and they're like, man, I got it. Like, I got this boss. I'm like, okay. You know I mean? It's just, it's, it's funny. It's, it's like being a really great chef and people have you come over so that you can cook for them. 
It's like, you do know this is what I do for a living, right? You know, but they just, they get very excited about wanting to, you know, oh, wanting to talk about it and wanting advice on how do I deal with this situation? And I mean, I, I love if I can help, if I can help talk somebody through it and, and make that relationship better. I'm all about it. Oh, that is so good. That is so good. Well, I hope a couple more questions for you as we wrap up. Um, how do you, what do you want to promote for our leadership, our listeners, personal leadership development? And how could our listener best contact you if they wanted to follow up? As far as what to promote, I, I'm going to go back to what I said a moment ago, is it really does start with me and a reflection of how I'm showing up. And, you know, the, the two questions I often ask leaders and I ask myself when I was leading is, you know, would I want to work for myself? <laughs> right? <laughs> It's a good question. It's a great, I mean, it's, it's, and then, you know, what am I serving as a leader? And, and the answer to the first question might be, well, if I'm serving a, a bucket of blah, you know, then no, I probably wouldn't want to work for myself. But I think it's, it's critical to take that time to really look at who we are and be vulnerable in that and, and admit when we don't know something and not be afraid to ask for help and to, to develop our team around us, make sure that we're communicating and, and just, having that empathy for meeting people where they are and helping them get to where they want to be. But it truly does have to start with each one of us. I mean, the, the best leadership book in the world, the best leadership training class, the best leadership coach can't do anything if somebody is not willing to come to the table and take, you know, the heavy lifting to the, to the hard work. And, you know, I say this all the time, self-work is the hardest flipping workout you are ever going to do. Oh yeah. It never stops. You know, and you don't get Christmas off. You don't get, I mean, it's, it's just about how we show up every day. And I don't mean to like that we're so hard on ourselves. You know, my point is, is it's not a moment. Leadership is not a moment. It is a journey. Yep. And some days our journey, you know, we, we walk that marathon and we're so proud we showed up so well. And then there's some days that it, we had the worst time ever. Okay. Well, what did you learn from it? Failure is an opportunity to begin again more intelligently. Love that. You know, it's like, how do we channel that to become stronger? Because we learn more from those moments than we do from when it's successful. I mean, success is great. You know, you love it when everybody's giving you accolades and your people are happy. But it's in those moments when those challenges hit the, well, the last two years. <laughs> Even if you're a great leader, everybody had a challenge. So how did you become better for that? The best way people can contact me is at uh, the website and is interested in the book. All of that information is out there. It's www.hopeforleaders.com. And that's just H-O-P-E-F-O-R-L-E-A-D-E-R-S. So I would love to hear from you. And we do have a free monthly e-newsletter, a lot of common sense stuff that we put out. So if anybody's interested, you can sign up through the website. That is so cool. Uh, I'll throw in one more question here other life-changing books that you would recommend besides the two that you have co-authored well i'm gonna go this is interesting paul i'm gonna go opposite of all leadership books that you would think i would say okay i am going to say elizabeth gilbert's eat pray love okay because that book is all about somebody's journey to find themselves and to find their greatness and to find their passion their passion. And I got to hear her speak on that book. And I remember somebody asking how, how to get her journey. 
But, you know, they, I mean, basically, like, can I, who's your travel agent? Can you book me <laughs> through, you know, Italy? And we're all, you know, and, and she just, she said, it's, that's my journey. That's my story. And that's, that's how, helped me become who I am. And I encourage you to find yours. Mm. And, you know, that book was, I was going through a divorce at the time. I was leaving corporate America, going to work for somebody in his consulting business. And I mean, I was going through a lot of seriously huge life changes and that book profoundly changed my life in that I've got to find my journey and I've got to find my story and I've got to be proud of it and, and put that best part of me forward and not be threatened because of the things I don't have. I need to put forward the best of hope. And that's truly what I try to do. I mean, I, I believe that all roads have led me here. And I said that last week when I was speaking at the Leadership Summit, I, I said I, I wouldn't have been uh, where, you know, I've, if I had not had that experience in corporate America, I wouldn't have gotten here today. It, it's been a journey and that's been my story. So be proud of that, lean into that. And, you know, and the things that you don't know, don't be afraid to ask and don't think you can't do it. What I always say is I can't do it yet. And I may not be amazing at it, but that's okay. I try. And I, I be that example for people, for my teams that I lead and just, you know, even for my, my young niece, Hazel, trying to be a, a great role model for her. Uh, and showing that we all have little people around us, I'm sure, in our life. And how can we influence that and, and develop them? Because I wish I'd had leadership skill classes in school when I was younger. But I know, <laughs> with, you know, I, I got taught how to make macaroni and cheese. And now I'm going, seriously, Kraft had that for us. OK, I didn't need to learn how to do that on my own. I really needed to learn how to communicate. <laughs> yes. Yes. The life skills. Uh Yes. Yes. Well, well, thank you, Hope. You've added so much value to our listeners today. So keep growing forward. Thank you. So I have some takeaways today from Hope. Keepers worth mentioning. I love the talk about change where uh, Hope reminded us that it's like a grieving process. Uh, something has to die for something else to grow and to be birthed. So you have to ask yourself, where am I on this scale on the stages of grief? Uh, when you're in a loss situation. I loved your acronym, LOVE, the lead uh, with a listening ear, an objective mind, a versatile attitude, and an empathetic heart. And you'll have to send her more hearts so she can be overwhelmed with more. <laughs> and also two top uh, areas of struggle and leadership that might be yours as well, giving feedback and, and keeping people accountable. And that accountability starts with me and goes to we. The GFT podcast is all about putting practical tips from my guests into action for your personal leadership development. Thank you for listening to episode 41. Please spread the word about this podcast to those in your circle of influence who are hungry to grow forward in their lives. Remember, you must lead yourself well before you can lead your team well. And until next week, keep growing forward. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of Grow Forward Today. Remember to visit Paul's website for more tools that you can use at growingforwardservices.net. Join us again for another edition very soon on the Voice America Business Channel.